Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospectives, uh, Season 2 of the Failed Blockbusters. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Matt Garingo. Hey! How are you, Matt? I'm good. How are you, Diego? Oh, I'm good, because we're going to talk about Tony Scott's True Romance, the 1993 American romantic crime film directed by (laughs) Tony Scott and written by Quentin Tarantino. I mean, I guess it's technically all those things. It, it's it's definitely in the ballpark of them. I don't know. Like I, rewatching it, like as I've gotten older, I definitely see it like playing up the crime romance angle. I mean, obviously the like, crime that's like Tarantino's thing at the time, but like almost like the the dangerous elements of like of uh, blind romance. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's all there. It's been there the whole time, but. It's like I used to just think it was like a fun romp, you know, and mm-hmm. like it definitely is. Uh, it's a spoiler alert, it's a Tony Scott movie, so I like it. <laughs> but I don't know. It's 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 got a lot of stuff going on. It's really exciting, and it's just visually stunning. Uh, who shot it? Jeffrey L. Kimball, who did a couple things for Tony Scott, and would also go on to shoot stuff like Mission Impossible Two. Huh? Uh, huh? Uh. Oh, Star Trek Nemesis? Yes, Star Trek Nemesis. The BVS of the Star Trek franchise. Is that... Are we really going to call it that? Uh, I have to to give it to my buddy Mike Schindler for saying that. Uh, But, like, is that the worst Star Trek movie? No. What's what's the worst? Uh... My brain just, like, fried. Alright, let's let's go through... Let's go through the bad ones, right? Okay. Like, like the ones that right. like pretty much everyone is is in agreement that they are bad. So it's Final mm-hmm. Frontier from the original series. That's um, probably it. Generations. No, never mind. Generations is my least favorite. Insurrection. Not awful. Nemesis. Interesting. And Into Darkness. Very directed (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing i still stand by like the action of that movie it's just like the material drops off so fucking hard yeah it's 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 possibly the worst written blockbuster of that decade no 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 no. it's it's a stinker it's not the worst there are bad ones but at least they're like there was never a chance for them to be good like there was a chance for into darkness to be a good movie and maybe it was just like what makes Into Darkness like such like a, a painful experience, I guess, is that after Star Trek 09 and Super 8, I think people were like, wait, 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 this JJ guy, like, let's see what he's got in the tank. Let's see let's see what he can let's do. Let's give him the benefit like, of the doubt. Story. Yeah, let's let's see him build off his original take on this material. And there was like, Oh, there is no there is no there is no take. There is no take. There is no originality. Yeah. Um I'd say probably Generations is my least favorite. I really don't care for that movie. For me, at it's all. like neck and neck with Generations and Nemesis. Yeah. And yeah. I'll say Insurrection, it's just kind of dull. It's kinda, yeah, it's that's just it. boring. That's, that's the big crime of that. Yeah. One. And everything works. It's just, eh, you know. Yeah. Whatever. I wouldn't say everything works, but it's. Okay. Well, it's, most things work in it. It's just a little dull. 
I think it's that uh, one where it's like of the next generation movies. At least it's the one where like everyone isn't miserable the whole time. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let me think. I I know people like this movie. I don't care for Search for Spock that much. Um, Search for Spock's okay. It's not like I, it's definitely not a good movie. Like it's 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 kind of like a written by committee movie. You know. Yeah, like, but it you know you got a fucking uh, what's his what's his fuck Christopher Lloyd as uh, the Klingon is pretty great in that. Yeah, yeah, and this got good stuff in it. It's just like it only exists to bring back Spock, and it's like hard for me to divorce that now. Mm-hmm. I guess and smack between Wrath of Khan and the Voyage Home, which are excellent films. Mm-hmm. It just makes it look worse, and yes, that also means the Final Frontier looks worse. I might like the Final Frontier more than Search for Spock, though. I, I definitely Final Frontier is kind of insulting to everyone involved. Like it, it is, but it's not insulting to me, so I, I can know. live with it. I, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with Search for Spock. I think Search for Spock functions as a movie. It is kind of like a okay, I guess Spock is back, right? Yeah, I but, mean Final Frontier also is bad. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Where it's like, <laughs> like I just don't know what the fuck I'm even supposed to be enjoying in the Final Frontier. But you know what? The Final Frontier also has this great line of dialogue that I don't is, get to quote enough. What does God want with the starship? Yeah, it, you knew exactly it. Yeah, that's the best thing ever. That's like the one... Well, here's the thing. Like, the Star Trek crew meeting God is like the one good idea in that movie. And, yeah, yeah. And, well, and, and the, the camp scene at the opening. No. You don't like the camping scene? I do not like the camping scene. It's just guys being dudes. Yeah, but like, I don't know. Also, they, they fucking treat Scotty like shit in that movie. They do. Well, Leonard that's Nemo, why. I mean, not Leonard Nemo. God bless Leonard Nemo. William Shatner is just a fucking piece of shit. That's why uh, Hot Take, The Undiscovered Country is my favorite. That's not that's not a hot take. Undiscovered Country fucking rocks. Yeah, but I think people are like, Wrath of Khan. Like, Wrath of Khan is definitely a better movie, right? I don't and know then, about definitely. I prefer it. But, like, no, no. This is the, this is the True Romance podcast. But, listen, everyone... We're talking about Star Trek. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> the Undiscovered Country fucking kicks ass. It kicks ass, but look, but Wrath of Khan is the one you can show to anyone, right? Yeah. And you watch it now and you're like, fuck, this movie just works. Like, Wrath of Khan is just kind of great. Voyage Home, I think, is the one that, like, nerds pick, you know? Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, Voyage Home, That that's the one that's really great because it's, it's such a character-focused Star Trek story. And I love Voyage Home. I'm not going to mm-hmm. disagree. At Undiscovered Country, I think people maybe have mixed feelings on a little bit. Um, if you have mixed feelings on that movie, it's because you're a fucking nerd. <laughs> I don't know. It's a little, it, like, you know, it's like, okay, I guess this is how it's going to end. Like, it's, I could see some people getting hit, but I love it because Scotty fucking, at the end of that movie, Scotty busts down the door like he's the fucking Kool-Aid man <laughs> and shoots the guy. <laughs> which is the best way to end that fucking movie (laughs) maybe now is it better than the motion picture um look i like the motion picture in theory oh you're one of those yeah i don't like the look of the motion picture oh no i think it's great well like i think all the costumes look terrible and it's so flat I love Robert Wise, too, is the thing. Like, 
I'm probably like I'd go bat for Rob Weiss. I don't hate it. I think it's good, and I have not seen the extended cut, which I've heard is better. Um, but it's it is a very like odd little movie. But I don't know, man. I just don't like the I don't like the look of it that much. Hmm. Um, well, maybe the new 4K will solve your problems. Maybe. It kind of tinkered with the look of it a little bit. Some for the better, some for the worse. The effects look great. The effects look terrific. They're a little bit at odds with the surrounding images. Yeah. Um, so I'll see how I feel about that eventually. Great poster. Oh, it's it's the fucking shit. The fact that they reused that image for Beyond, basically, yeah, made me very happy. Uh, and I like cool the story. It's a for really the anniversary. It's a really good plot. I like the story for motion picture. Mm-hmm. It's a really good, like, a, it's a genuine science fiction plot, which they just don't really do those anymore, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, like, Robert Wise is the perfect guy to do that. It's fine. It's not, I'm just not someone who, like, goes to bat for it like others. No. But I think to call it bad is idiotic. I agree. Now, are any of those movies better than True Romance? Um, Maybe, like, two of them, <laughs> but... I Maybe. Mean, does True Romance have Scotty killing the bad guy? <laughs> uh, no, but it has Patricia Arquette fucking murdering the shit out of Tony Soprano. Yeah. That's a wild scene. I put this that's movie a little on, intense. I put this movie on for a friend and totally forgot that scene happened in it. Yeah. It, that, that, there's like some fucked up energy in that scene. Yeah. So it's a wild. The, the yeah. energy of this whole movie is really fucked up. Yeah, because it's like it, it plays like their their love, like like their like the, there's this air of innocence about it, but like what they get caught up in is like so not. Mm-hmm. Uh, who hasn't seen True Romance here? Raise your hand. Go okay, watch that, it, you listener. Go watch it. Make sure Come it's the back. director's cut. Make sure it's the director's cut, because the the actual cut changes a few things that I am not a fan of. Hmm. Uh well, there's there's a couple of changes like throughout production too uh-huh. that I'm sure we will talk about. You might know uh, more about that than I do, but okay. Um, yes, but uh, True Romance. It's a film uh, about Christian Slater. Christian and Slater Patricia plays. Arquette. Christian Slater plays Quentin Tarantino. Um, yes, as he goes on his. White boy hero revenge fantasy. <laughs> yes, that is ultimately what. That's a hundred percent what this movie is. It's and you know what? I know a lot of people are turned off by that. Mm. It is. It is totally just a fucking like privileged fantasy bullshit thing. Mm-hmm. That's why However, Tony Scott was the perfect person to direct it. Yes, because he understands the incredibly fucked up like visceral mindset you have to be in to even conjure something like that have you listened to the commentary track from quentin tarantino for this movie i have not it's a fascinating listen is it it really is is. because uh, bothersome um it's more just like okay i'm glad you didn't direct this quentin um Mm -hmm. but uh you know quentin can talk movies unfortunately he can Um, he's about to drop a podcast with his old friend Roger Avery, um, which is going to end the world. Like, film Twitter, we're all just going to kill ourselves. Like, the takes are going to start coming and they won't stop coming. <laughs> like, it's going to be bad when that thing drops. I'm uh, looking forward to it. 
I think we should all try to ignore it. <laughs> and if we listen to it, don't talk about it. <laughs> That's the only thing we can do if we want to survive. Because unfiltered Tarantino is something we don't want out there. We're about to get Maybe. to know Tarantino a little more than we wanted to. And we already know more than we want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, He's yeah, like, the, I, don't, I don't think there's any feet shot in this film. So that's that's how you know it's not him. Yeah, um, he. I, I listened to the commentary a long time ago. But I remember one point in it where he was like, yeah, Tony brought this, like, interesting fairy tale quality to the story, which I didn't see in my script initially. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, oh, you took this serious. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why Tony Scott was a genius, Mm -hmm. you know? And also, it it 100% has the vibes of, like, the first script an angry white boy writes in when he's a teenager, you know? One billion percent. Yes. So for those that don't know, this is actually Tarantino's first script. It was released after Reservoir Dogs. Mm. But it was made first. It yes. was written first. And uh, it 100% has that vibe. That and Natural Born Killers both have that vibe. Yeah. Um, uh, m- fucking miracles that Oliver Stone and Tony Scott made these movies what they are. Yeah. Not even You don't even have to like them, but they. I'm saying like it's a miracle for Tarantino that someone else made these films what they are. And I think that's why they like stand up in pop culture. Tarantino should fucking count his blessings. Because I think if he... Had he directed... True Romance and Natural Born Killers, we wouldn't be talking about Tarantino the way we talk about Tarantino today. No, yeah. Like, it would have been a bad note to start on. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think the other hallmark of it, I don't know if you know this, this isn't a spoiler from the movie. Well, it kind of is. But in the screenplay, uh, Clarence dies at the end. Yes, I was I was going to say the, the, the ending was different. Mm-hmm. Which is the ultimate white boy fantasy yeah it is the ultimate like i'm gonna be the hero i'm gonna rescue this woman i'm gonna kick everyone's ass but then i'm gonna heroically die at the end (laughs) like heroically and tragically die at the end (laughs) because that's what i am i'm a hero and a tragedy (laughs) i probably wrote my own true romance when I was like 13. So, <laughs> I don't I know mean, if you can hear the, the truck backing up. I they're... absolutely can, but don't worry. Okay. About yeah. It. Well, they, they heard that bullshit and they're like, all right, we've got to take out the trash from Tarantino's life. I mean, think about the setup of this movie, right? Yeah. No, he works in a comic book shop. He goes to the movies every year, which is a thing normal people do now, by the way. Yeah. Like, it's fine. <laughs> like, it's not. Some you're not down in your luck, like some loser who does that. He, he, or maybe maybe we are losers if we do that. But we're not we're not this guy. You're you're not the hero of like this exploitation film. The opening is him, right? The opening is him talking to a, uh, another woman, not uh, Alabama, about mm-hmm. his love for Elvis Presley. Right, that's the opening, yeah. and it's like I'm not saying I'd fuck Elvis, but I'd fuck Elvis. Like. <laughs> And she gets like all turned off because he's weird. That feels like uh, that feels like a conversation Quentin Tarantino really had with someone. <laughs> yes. Also, yes. the patron saint of 
white heroes, Elvis Presley, <laughs> who is the guardian angel of Clarence in this movie. I know. I mean, it's it's Jesus Christ. It's so like perfect in a way that like it it really feels like Tarantino didn't see it. Like, yeah, no, no, there's no way he saw. It. I I get the vibe he didn't see it without having heard the commentary. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. It's, and so... it, then he meets, you know, he meets Alabama, and she, she, she like ends up hanging out with them. He, they go to a kung fu movie together. They meet at the kung fu movie, right? Yeah, she and then, fake spills popcorn on him. Yeah, well, we don't know she's faking at the start, right? No, no, no. no, no. I guess we assume we. Do. Then she, he takes her to the ultimate uh, chick magnet hangout location, um, the comic book shop. And shows her all the comics. <laughs> and then they have sex. And then she tearfully confesses that she's actually a call girl. She's a sex worker. And it was a birthday present from his boss. But she actually fell in love with him. Because of the kung fu movies. <laughs> and the comic the books. Comic. And so they get married. I mean, what else can you take away from that? Mm-hmm. Like, is there literally anything else you can get it, from this like no it, it is a pure fantasy now the brilliance of tony scott was that he crafted that fantasy while still somewhat basing it in like uh like at least in like a character authenticity that i don't i'm willing to bet it's not there like on the page I, yeah. i'm willing to bet it's just tarantino having his fun mm-hmm. and you know you know like as a screenwriter like whatever whatever on the page, you, you, you got your weird shit. We all know he puts his weird shit in all of his movies. So long as he's not hurting anybody, which he has before, which we, you know, should be acknowledged. Yeah, we should acknowledge that. Yeah. You know, that's, um, a, that's, that's a whole other thing. It, it, it is, it is, it is. Uh-huh. And again, this isn't a Tarantino movie through and through. It's, it's just written yeah. by him, which is, which of course, you know, no movie I guess without we, a script. The only but... Tarantino movie we would do would be like Grindhouse. Jackie Brown wasn't the bomb, huh? The Jackie Brown. Let me check because I would check, love cause I would... Jackie Brown. Now Jackie Brown made alert. money. Okay, uh, I I love Jackie Brown. So I, yeah, that Jackie Brown. Kind of, yeah. It's the hipster pick for favorite Tarantino movie. It, it, but is it wrong? I wouldn't. I honestly couldn't get that mad. Yeah. Uh, although I love Inglorious Bastards. I, I, that's my number one. Mm. Yeah. But I, um, I'm also. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but the older I get, the more I like watching Nazis get tortured and murdered. Oh yeah, no. Oh, I, every I every movie should be about killing Nazis right now. I don't know what changed, <laughs> <laughs> but um, also might be the best theater going experience of my life was seeing Inglorious Bastards. I think I've talked about this. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Where they the audience straight up cheered when the giant face appeared in the smoke and flames. <laughs> That's pretty fucking great. Which uh, I would love to watch Inglorious Bastards with a crowd right now. Yeah, same. And be like, and then after the screening, be like, you know, we should all get up too. <laughs> <laughs> I would never. He owns say the, anything. He, he owns the new Beverly, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, my suggestion, Quentin, if you're listening, he's not. But if you're listening, uh, make it your midnight movie every Sunday, Inglorious Bastards, until we get rid of the Nazis. That's not the worst idea. Uh, that'll be our meeting place. We can hang. We don't have to go every week, but we can hang out. Definitely hand out pamphlets afterwards. 
Well, that's not it's not the worst idea I've ever. Heard. That's our white guy fantasy. Is yeah, beating up other white guys. <laughs> I I think you guys need it right now, frankly. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, let, let's see what else. Okay, so yeah, a crazy white boy male fantasy. Um, but how fucking good is Patricia Arquette in this? Patricia movie? Arquette is so good, and she's always kind of good. You know, like is she? I'm sure she's been in something bad that I don't like, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Can you? No, I'm looking right now. Oh, she was in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, like, five years before yeah, this, she's, six years she's before she's good this. in it. Oh, no, she's terrific. I just wanted to shout out Nightmare on Elm Street oh, okay. 3. All right, I, I love Nightmare 3. Talk it. Um, no, Ed, no. Ed Wood. Um, she's in Holes. Remember her in Holes? Oh, my God, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That was a movie that is way better than it has any right to be. Yeah, that, that's one of those, like... Movies that just totally fucking holds up. Oh, yeah. Little Nicky, sorry. She's uh, good in Little Nicky. She is. She does give like a fantastic performance in Little Nicky. That's so fucking which bizarre. Which is wild. <laughs> um, yeah. I love Patricia Arquette. Um, yeah. She kind of, she's not popping up in as much stuff these days, unfortunately. No. Oh, you know what? She was in Boardwalk Empire. Oh, okay. And I don't think you got there. I didn't because uh, that show got like so awful. Yeah. Um, um She's terrific in it. Yeah. She doesn't get enough to do, but she's terrific in it. And then Christian Slater. Christian Slater. What what do we think about Christian Slater? He's good when he's good. He's good when he's good. That's a good way of putting it. Um, What has he been in uh, lately? Mr. Robot. Okay, yeah. People seem to like that. I have not watched uh, Mr. Robot. I have not watched it either. Oh, he was in uh, We Can Be Heroes. Oh, yes. There's um, a little part in that. Yeah. Uh, we could do a lot of Rodriguez movies. <laughs> I know. I know. God bless you, Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, oh, he was dead shot in one of those direct-to-video DC movies. I mean, not a bad choice. Oh, no. He played Winston it. Churchill? What? Oh, in like a comedy film. Oh, thank God. All right. I was about to be like, the fuck? Oh, was in Alone in the Dark, the UA Bowl movie? <laughs> Oh my, I saw that. I've seen it too, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just failed everything. It's not even failed Blockbuster. Great, great poster. Alone in the Dark has a great poster. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the movie. Yeah, nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my god, in uh, the year 2012, he's in like 10 movies. He was in Walter Hill's Bullet to the Head. I, yeah. That's the last Walter Hill movie I like. Uh, He did another one, right? Yeah, I didn't, oh, I didn't like it, though. Um, <laughs> oh, he's got I didn't another like one, him. He's got another one coming up with Christoph Waltz and Willem Dafoe. Yeah, it's supposed to be a full-on Western, he said. Why not? Um, God, I, want, I hope Walter Hill comes back and just kicks ass. I know. I oh, Rachel, Rachel Brosnahan's in it, too. Miss mm-hmm. uh, Maisel, for everyone that doesn't know. She is remarkable. Mm-hmm. And she has openly said she wants to do more genre stuff, and she's just not getting it offered. So Okay. People, get fucking on that shit. How old is Walter Hill? He's like 800 years old. Oh, he's 80. I'm not far off. All right. Yeah, he's 80. Still gets a check every time a new Alien movie gets made. Uh, Him and someone else, I think David Geiler, did a treatment for Alien 5. But there's mm-hmm. been like 20 different versions of that movie. Mm-hmm. So, who fucking knows? Oh, Christian Slater has arrests and convictions. Oh, I did, 
well, did not hope, know that. Hope it's for like drugs, which is fine and cool. <laughs> Drunk driving, which isn't great. Drunk driving is not the best. No. He has had difficulties with substance abuse and mm. later received treatment. At one time, he said, work is my hobby. Staying sober is my job. Mm-hmm. And then, after like living few, in recovery... Uh, it looks like he has a few uh, sexual harassment charges. Ah. Um, which is might a... have been the product of the heavy drug use, but hey. Yeah. Uh, I hope, hope he cleaned himself up a little bit. Has he, done, has he been in any like big blockbusters lately? No. He feels like a guy who would pop up in, like, a Marvel movie, but as, like, a joke, like, as, like, Stilt Man or something. It'd be like, yeah. we got Christian Slater and we're gonna make him be Stilt Man. <laughs> oh, he's in an episode of The Office as himself. Do you know about this? Oh, no, I do not. Um, yeah, so there's one arc of the show where they get bought out by a, a company named Saber. Mm. And, you know, they have to have the the informational videos when they're, you know... They're, like, uh, absorbing the company. And Christian Slater is the guy introducing the video. And mm. it's, like, one of those videos that tells you, like, nothing. It's just, like, isn't it so great working at this company? But it's Christian Slater, so everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah you know, I do kind of like it. Um, oh, he was also in Rick and Morty uh, in the worst episode of television I've ever seen. Oh, hey. That's not true, but it's really bad. I don't know if everyone knows that one. It's uh, Vindicators 3, Return of the World Ender. It's making fun of, like, Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers, and he's, like, a, an alcoholic. He's always, like, a riff on Iron Man, and it's just, like... Man, what a hot take. I know. I, <laughs> whoa, whoa, yeah, really. Whoa, stand back, Dan Hartman. Yeah, hammer, meat, nail. Oh, um, my goodness. Apparently, there's, like, recording of, like, Dan Harmon in behind-the-scenes footage where he's like, oh, it's going to be the worst episode we ever do. And it's like, yeah, it was, man. I never saw the show again after that. Uh, but, yeah, that's not... That's not true. Never honest. could get into Rick and Morty, honestly. Like, I'm, uh, there's some episodes that I really liked and some I didn't, and I just never kept up with it. I think I, I started. Don't regret it. I started watching it like, and then like the pickle Rick thing, and then the the Szechuan sauce thing, like both happened like right in the middle of me starting watching it. Oh. And that was like, ah, this isn't worth it. It might it's be like, good. It might be good. Yeah. I can't really judge. Uh, no, in the Pickle Rick episode, I really like. It's the episode right before that episode I was just complaining about. No, okay. And that's like the entire like relationship I have for the show. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, this is obnoxious. I hate it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know. The, the Pickle Rick episode is about how like the character would rather wind up in like an action movie premise and change his like, physical appearance rather than confronting his... like own trauma and like emotional issues with his family mm-hmm. and it's like wow this is like really emotionally honest stuff i know people who are really and then the fans that. were just like oh pickle rick yeah and i was like oh shit no i got it i'm done mm-hmm. but i know people who are like really into rick and morty are like really cool and fine like they're not you know oh yeah I, not everyone's I, a fucking weirdo i luckily haven't run into like any of the weirdo fans in real life so like I said, it could just be the way, like, where, like, when I, if I say I'm, like, a Steven Universe fan, people look at me funny. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not one of those fans. Yeah, I just maybe. thought the show maybe was good. It. So, whatever. Um, hey, let's talk about uh, Drexel. Gary I was Oldman's. wondering how we were going to bring this up. Um, um, I have questions. So. Have... Many, many He's, oh, the movie specifically says he's a white guy who thinks he's black, right? 
Like, mm-hmm. not in a, like, mental way, he just, in the way he behaves. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, did you ever see that Quentin Tarantino interview where he goes on, I don't know what it's called, because I'm a white idiot. It's some sort of, like, uh, it's like, I, I think it's like a, a, a hip-hop show on Sirius or something like that. Um, hmm. or at least they talk about it. it's with like, and it's like all black hosts and Tarantino's on it. And suddenly when Tarantino's in a room with three other black people, he has a very different voice. <sighs> and it might be one of the most cringe things I have ever watched in my entire life. Tarantino cringe. I don't know what you're referring to. <laughs> Tarantino cringe is at least like endearing in a lot of ways. That Sometimes, one kind of yeah. wasn't. <laughs> oh, I bet. Um, and it's like he doesn't even know he's doing it either. It's that thing that Spike Lee always accuses Tarantino of. Like Tarantino wants to be a black guy, mm. like which is also hey, let's talk about this real quick. Um, so when uh, Bong Joon Ho won um, Best Director, right? Yeah. At the Oscars, uh, they sent Spike Lee up there. To announce who won. What would have happened if Tarantino won? Maybe it would have been like when Will Smith won the Oscar after slapping Chris Rock. I mean, it would have been a weird... There would have been a weird vibe. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, who, uh, who let that happen? Like, I get it. Like, every, like Tarantino, no one thought he was going to win, but that doesn't mean he wasn't going to. Yeah. Like, there was a slim but still possible chance. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, I didn't even think about that until I, you said it right now. Because when when shit was like getting bad early in the pandemic, I rewatched that fucking Oscar speech like a dozen times. Oh yeah, it's the last and, time any of us were happy. Yeah, so like I I've seen that clip so many times, and then it was like on the fifth watch, I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> like who let this happen? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know what? I remember that no one talks about. Mm. There was not like beef but there was something up with samuel L. jackson and spike lee yeah because that was when spike lee was openly like uh criticizing tarantino like you were saying mm-hmm. and then someone asked uh, samuel L. jackson about it and he was saying like well you know like uh spike lee makes a lot of movies and tarantino's working really hard he's making his own great movies it's like I'm paraphrasing. It's more. I'm sure there's yeah. more there, but I just remember this last bit sticking out in my mind a lot. And he's like, "And Spike hasn't made one of those in a while." And I was like, "Fuck, that's your friend, dude." <laughs> Have they like, worked together again? Uh, I don't know, but they they seem very tight. Um, like uh, at the the Oscars that one year when mm. uh, he was up for Black Klansman. Okay. Yeah, because remember, like, uh, Spike Lee, I think he won, like, screenplay or something. Or adapted screenplay. Something. Maybe and Sam then, Jackson is just the one who can kind of, like, mediate things between those two. Maybe. I feel like Sam Jackson can kind of say anything, you know? Yeah, he is kind of that guy. Like, yeah. we all just respect him too much. Or it, as much as he deserves. Mm-hmm. He is, like, one of the kings of acting, you know? So, like, we mm-hmm. cherish him when we have him. Because he, he's not a young man anymore, Yeah, and he's... he's He's also the biggest Tarantino defender on the planet. Yeah. Of, like, anyone. And it is this thing of, like, he should have fucking three Oscars by now, all for Tarantino movies. Mm-hmm. Like, he's fucking great in 
I mean, you could argue four, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he's great in Pulp Fiction. He should have gotten a supporting actor. I think they gave it to Martin Landau that year um, for Ed Wood, which is kind of like, okay, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> he looked like he was on Death's Door for like 30 years. Yeah. Um, Jackie Brownie should have won, mm-hmm. right? Like, he should have won for Django Unchained. He should have won for fucking The Hateful Eight. Like, say what you will about those movies, but fucking, they get the best Sam Jackson performances. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Sam Jackson's in this movie, also. Yeah, I was gonna say wild. he's in it for one scene. Yeah, and he gets it's one of these movies where like everyone that's in one scene gets like their name in the opening credits. I, yeah, and I always fucking forget like people like uh uh not Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper. Yeah, he's in two scenes. They're just long scenes. Yes, and like this movie also isn't that many scenes. Like I'm looking at the budget. And it feels huge. Mm. But then, like, looking back at it and, like, really looking at where, like, this movie takes place. Like, sure, it's, like, a cross-country movie. Like, it takes place in, like, Detroit and Los Angeles. But Mm. there's not, like, that many places they're going to. It's, like, some restaurants, Mm. some apartment rooms, some hotel rooms, some stores. I think a trailer. This, I think the scene with Sam Jackson was supposed to be a longer scene, mm. and I think in Tarantino's style that would have. I think that is the opening of the screenplay. That it's like this meeting, and then you don't realize it turns bad. It plays more. It plays a little bit more like the uh, um, the scene in Pulp Fiction when they go and like shake down those guys for the uh, the briefcase. Yeah. You know? I think that was initially what it was. Like, it was a long scene that you don't realize is going to end in violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Tony Scott rightfully decided, no, this has to be a movie about Clarence and Alabama. Yeah. And we're not going to Also, it's some you are shit. wrong. <laughs> uh, that was not the opening of the screenplay. Uh, At least from the most recent draft available from... Oh, you know what? No, it's from August 1992. It's an early draft. Uh-huh. And it does open... With the I'd fuck Elvis. Okay, but the, is it the scene after that? It feels like it, it's a Tarantino move for that scene to play with no context earlier. You know what? Yeah, after the Elvis scene, interior, dingy hotel room day, title card, Motor City, Sands of the City flow, and through an open window, car horns, gunshots, and voices. Yeah, it's Drexel. Yeah. Um, he says some words that no white person should ever say. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of that. And, you know, the criticism about Tarantino for doing that. I you know I, I yeah maybe uh maybe someone talked to him about that. Um, hey, you know he's yeah. only gonna make one more movie. Let's just to let him make it and then leave him alone. Just nonstop slurs. Give him, that, that's, <laughs> the, that's the title. <laughs> the tenth no. film by Quentin Tarantino. No. Just nonstop slurs. <laughs> His final motion picture. <laughs> the final house voice and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no. no. Oh, no. Oh, oh boy. Um, all right, so Drexel, let's, 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 let's go back to that guy. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman is fucking committing on a level that maybe no white person should ever there there are like at least a dozen gary oldman performances where you watch the movie get to the end credits and then you go that was gary oldman (laughs) (laughs) and this is one of them 
have you seen the Tony Scott short he did for like BMW or whoever? Yes. Yeah, where he plays Satan. Yes. <laughs> it is unbelievable. Wild shit. It is so good. I'll link it into this episode's description. Well, here's the thing. All right, so let's just talk about Drexel. So, like, here's the thing. We're talking about, like, Drexel is what he, you know, we're, we're two fucking lefty losers. We're, we're talking about, like, what he's saying is wrong and his character is fucked up. But he is the bad guy. He's not framed in the right in any of this. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But it is weird when you consider, like, Tarantino's whole thing mm-hmm. that Tarantino is having, like, a wish fulfillment fantasy of himself kill another fantasy version of himself. (laughs) I think I would consider it less weird if there wasn't the later scene with Dennis Hopper Mm -hmm. and Christopher Walken. Yeah. How that scene ends and that very pointed discussion of history, I will Mm -hmm. say. Am I going to have to be the one that says that it? that's a really good scene? <laughs> oh, no. Here's the thing. Don't it's leave like me hanging. In the movie. Don't leave me fucking hanging. I'm the only white idiot on this podcast. It is maybe the best scene of the movie. It's arguably the best thing T- Tarantino's ever written. <laughs> I don't know about that. You could make that argument, I think. I'm not sure I'd agree, but you could make that argument. And I don't mean just the like, like just the the fucking Dennis Hopper part of it all. Like that whole scene, like mm-hmm. from beginning to end, from yeah. Walken's introduction. Um, it yeah, it's it's terrific, and that's the only fucking scene he's in the movie. Yeah. What the fuck is that? And he's so good in it. Um, but also, I gotta say, like, it does also feel like an argument you would have on. This is why, like, our brains are like poisoned differently than Tarantino's. Because, like, it feels like back in the day we would have been on a forum somewhere and there'd be, like, the political debate forum and someone would say, there's no reason a white person should ever say the N-word. And then someone would come back with, yeah, but what if I was taken hostage by the consigliere of Blue Lou Boyle (laughs) and to save my son and his new fiance, (laughs) I had to say the (laughs) N-word. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but I see now. I don't see them on forums. I just see them on Twitter every day. I guess it's on Twitter. I don't. Yeah, everyone's like, okay, but what if I had to be saying the most racist, horrible shit to save someone I love? It's like Would it the, be okay uh, then. And this is like I, I Chris don't, Rock. I don't has, know. I don't know about that. Chris Rock has that bit, which I think was almost like a weird like mea culpa for his bit, where he said there's a difference between black people and you know, and he did a bit where he's like. There's only one, uh, there's only one way a white person can say the N-word. And he gives, like, this insanely, oddly specific thing that happens to you. And it's like, if that insanely, oddly specific thing happens, you can say the N-word for the next three weeks. (laughs) And it's, like, a bit, like, about the absurdity of it. But it also has the exact same vibe of, uh, the Sicilian scene in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it is a, it it is a very loud scene. And to be clear, like he is trying to get the guys to kill him, so he yeah, that's the whole point of the scene. Yeah, it, so he is saying the n word for heroic reasons. <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> never come on. say that ever again. I, but that's what that's, 
I didn't write it. Tarantino wrote it. I know, I know, but just hearing it it's phrased that way. Oh my god. I'm just saying that's what's happening here. We can't hide it. No, no, I, I, I know, I know. It's so. we got to be honest about what is. That's what makes the movie fascinating for me. Like, <laughs> I think it's a really well done movie, but it's also this weird look into like it's the it's the fucking like missing link for Tarantino. Like, it explains all of his other movies without him even realizing it. <laughs> I guess it. <laughs> ridiculous i'm like going to bat for this movie and i'm like embarrassed too i know it is embarrassing but we have to own it you know i we know have to, we have to own our embarrassment i'm the one who should be embarrassed because like i'm said i'm the only white idiot here like mm. so white people always defend shit they shouldn't defend yeah <laughs> like america <laughs> this is this is a pretty good movie about america sure i don't know i'm, I'm trying to pull something out of it I, I think it is. I mean, the cops shoot first at the end. Hey, the Hans Zimmer score in this movie, that like little like piano music, mm-hmm. they play that in Finding Forrester. <laughs> they play that a lot because it is a great little musical riff. The little doom, 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 doom. It's doom, weird doom, when you think doom, about doom, where, doom. It, where it comes from, though. Oh, it is incredibly bizarre. Yes. Uh, the film score is a theme based on Gassenhauer from Karl Orff's Schulwerk. Words oh, that one. Not... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, words I do not fully comprehend. I don't know what none of that means. I'm sorry. That's Music is not my forte. Karl uh, Orff was a German composer and music educator. Okay, so Zimmer probably worked with him at some point or like studied under him. So... Yeah. Uh, in the Sicilian scene, uh, there's one guy there who has no lines, and that guy is Mr. James Gandolfini, mm-hmm. who just who fucking, gets to be in two scenes. He gets, he gets a few. He gets a few. Um, arguably, he's in two locations, I guess. But I guess, yeah. No, you know what? He gets a. Uh, he's he's in the Sicilian scene with no lines. He gets to meet Floyd, which is a weird running <laughs> gag in the movie. <laughs> of just people showing up and Floyd being too stoned to realize how fucked up things are. Uh, and then he gets he meets Patricia Arquette and then he, he has the the torture scene with Patricia Arquette basically. Uh, which is a wild sequence. Yeah. Um but God damn, Gondolfini was so fucking good. I know. I'm just, I, I miss him so much. Yeah. And that... I think this is the beginning of him kind of becoming a Tony Scott uh, regular. Mm-hmm. Because he pops up a few more times after yeah, this. Yeah, um, I think the last one he pops up in is... Taking a film one, two, three? Yeah, that one, thank you. Yeah, where he plays, yeah, I... uh, he plays, uh, what's his fuck? Um, the mayor of New York. Yeah, but he's, he's playing Giuliani. Yeah, like... yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh god, I love I love that mm. Pelham remake so much. He's also really good in Crimson Tide. Oh my god, uh, Crimson he's... Tide. 
Did, was Crimson Tide a failed blockbuster? Well, no, but we talked about maybe we're going to do submarine movies. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, just talk about how fucking good Crimson Tide is. Yeah, just the, the, and also to bring it back to Star Trek, we were going to cheat and put Wrath of Khan on there. Yeah, Wrath of Khan, and then, of course, uh, The Hunt for Red October. Yes. Yeah. We do, like, Ice Station Zebra, and, you know. Oh, there you go, yeah, um, there, there's options, there's options. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> submarine movies we could do. Oh, yeah. uh... Did you know James Gandolfini and Brad Pitt actually reunite, like, a little under a decade later? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Gore Verbinski's dark comedy adventure crime film, The Mexican. The Mexican. Yeah. Yeah. I like that movie. It's not, I like, that movie. great, but it's I like that movie. I think oh. it's my least favorite Verbinski. I would probably agree, even as someone who's, like, not, like, the Gore Verbinski, like, guy you know actually no 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 uh, sorry lone ranger defender oh it's yeah not for that last half yeah. hour that last half hour i agree terrific um you know who's the biggest lone no. ranger defender tarantino quentin tarantino <laughs> yeah. you know what tarantino should just fucking produce something for gore verbinski um i don't know they always they, when he was like with the weinsteins they kept trying to do the quentin tarantino presents thing and it never really worked yeah that's true and I don't know if that could have been the Weinstein because the Weinsteins, for all the fucking credit they got as like producers, they did a bad job at it. Yeah, like they just kind of happened to find like really talented people, mm-hmm. but they weren't really great producers. Yeah, I wonder why that was. Like they kind of like they were in Tarantino and Rodriguez's corner, mm. but those guys kind of made their names on their own terms yeah they cornered the market on like those guys right like yeah that's what they did and then they figured out how to win oscars that's really what it came down to mm-hmm. and i think it was something I, there's a good video on youtube um okay what's this channel i really like this channel now i can't remember the name it's this channel that just basically covers uh like actresses that have won oscars right and like the weird politics that go into them Mm. Um, I can't remember. Uh, it's a really good. Let me look it up real quick. Sorry, Be Kind Rewind is the name of the channel. Um, and she did a I whole video on uh, Weinstein and the Oscars, and she points out that like Weinstein's fall kind of happens to coincide with a period where he isn't doing as well in the award seasons, mm. and she speculates about how that might have influenced like why the media felt more comfortable to go after him. And why, um, and why actors were more willing to come out. And, yeah. Mm. Uh, interesting channel. It's a weird little channel. Like, that's, like, their biggest video. But, like, they just do videos where it's like, yeah, here's how this actress kind of uh, won. Like, why she stood out that year. And why the Oscars yeah. maybe picked her. All right. Really, I gotta check that out. It's interesting, yeah. I like that channel. Mm. Um, don't know anything else about them. So, I don't know if they've, like, been like had their ass out on... Twitter, like other people. But, yeah, um, I know. Like, you look at their most recent video, and it's probably like, oh, you know, vaccines. No, no. Well, thankfully, they're not. They're not that. But I just worry it's going to be like, you know, like there's a there seems to be a weird arc with a uh, video essayist. Mm-hmm. So I just hope they haven't had that arc. Yeah, is all I'm saying. Um, yeah, I know. I'm like H bomber guy. Just just upload once a year, whatever. <laughs> don't don't say yeah. anything. Don't do anything, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh, I was going to bring up something, and now I just totally fucking lost it. God damn it. Well, here. I don't know what to pivot to. So, Roger Ebert gave the film a positive review. 
mm-hmm. highlighting the energy and style of the movie are exhilarating and that the supporting cast is superb. A roll call of actors at home in these violent waters. Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper, and Brad Pitt, for example. Oh, yeah, Brad Pitt's in this. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's uh, Floyd. Yeah. Uh, what a fantastic character. Yes. That is, like, the perfect minor character. A hundred percent, yeah. And it's funny to see Brad Pitt in that. Like, we're like, oh, they, they don't know he's going to be the fucking biggest star in the world at one point. I know, <laughs> I know. It's so good. They're betting their money on Christian Slater. <laughs> Aww. Well, you this know. movie did not do very well, so. No, $12.6 million on a $12.5 million budget. Yeah, no. Doesn't even break even in old school terms. Mm-hmm. Which is like... People also have to remember, so this was written before Reservoir Dogs, but it comes out after. Tarantino's making his name already. Uh, when did Pulp Fiction come out? That was 94, 94 right? right, yeah. Okay. And also, I gotta say, just not to call Ebert out, Ebert gave Reservoir Dogs a bad review. Mm. And once the Pulp Fiction thing kind of takes over, both him and Siskel gave Reservoir Dogs a bad review, you can feel them like trying to like justify themselves a little bit. Like, I'm trying to be like, well, you know, maybe we would just, uh, like, (laughs) so, because Ebert goes on to be, like, one of the biggest Tarantino defenders. Yeah. Like, I think he gave Grindhouse a bad review, but that might be it. Of the movies that came out when Ebert was still alive. I could see that one being the one that he doesn't click with. But, like, it, it, it says a lot he clicked with Kill Bill, like. Yeah. Which is kind of impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, because that's, Kill Bill is the moment where, like, I think a lot of people turn on Tarantino. Because um, that's when he just becomes, like, I'm just going to do genre films. Mm. And everyone's like, Jackie Brown, he's growing up. And then it's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Django is, at least for, like, the, the more recent turns, you know, I think mm-hmm. that's a big one. Django and Hateful Eight, definitely. Mm-hmm. Which is like you know a repulsive film, but <laughs> intentionally so. Yeah, I like both. I'm sorry. I like I I like Tarantino movies. Like I can't help it. Yeah, I know. I was talking to someone like I I just like met, and they were like, "So what do you think about Tarantino? Is he overrated or is he that good?" I'm like, "No, he's kind of that good. Mm-hmm. Like he's like to be honest, he's not even like a top ten filmmaker for me. Probably yeah. not even like the next ring after that. But no, he, I think he's a terrific filmmaker. Like I don't know what you. What you want from me? Mm-hmm. I'm only human. I enjoy his work. Yeah. Um. I I put Tony Scott like in my my personal canon of filmmakers. Tony Scott is like yeah. much higher for me. Like that that's like a top ten situation right there. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I like Tony more. Like that's what I think. That's just how it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and frankly, I would have liked to seen Tony Scott do another Tarantino script. I don't know what. Yeah. I don't know if if Tarantino well, has any stuff like. Well, in, in the closet. He kind of did. Um, oh, Ghost, Tarantino uh, ghost wrote uh, *Crimson Tide*. Yeah, but didn't he just do like dialogue passes? I think he did dialogue passes, but it's like you can feel the Tarantino in that yeah, movie. There's a fucking Silver Surfer debate. There's a Silver Surfer debate. There's Star Trek. There is Star Trek references, <laughs> and uh, there's a whole monologue in that movie about how there's a horse. That when it's old, it's white. No. When it's born, it's black. <laughs> it's, 
it leads to the last line of dialogue in the movie. I know. Like, so, what the fuck? It's a Tarantino script. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. Um, but Tony Scott was also, like, he worked with basically living legends now who mm-hmm. were just coming up at the time, like Shane Black, you know, with The Last Boy Scout, uh, Quentin Tarantino with this, and Yes, Crimson It's Pie. so weird with Tony Scott where it feels like he's always just a little too early. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he, like, all in his movies were, most of his movies were successful. They just were never like the monster hits they maybe could have been. Yeah. And it just well, feels like, He's like a step ahead of people in a lot of ways. And yeah, and I'm, I'm wondering why that is because both him, Ridley Scott, uh, even Michael Bay, they you know they get their start in advertisement. Oh, David Fincher, of course, too. And like maybe they just because all these people have like massive careers, obviously now. So maybe they just know how to like deal with both the business aspect and like the the. Uh, the artistic aspect. Yeah. And I know that sounds very silly with Michael Bay, but let me explain a little more. Well, in, I'll in, say this. At least in terms of like, just like presenting style with like a story that can like draw people in immediately. I would say as much as Tony Scott is a like stylist director, he's definitely of the group you just mentioned. I think he is the most script is King type directors of that group. Mm-hmm. Cause he just has like the scripts that he directs just fucking work, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, they just, like, they would be good movies even if they weren't directed by Tony Scott. Now they become great movies when they're directed by Tony Scott. Yeah. But. Well, wait, would True Romance have been a good movie if it weren't directed by Tony Scott? See, that's, Scott? this is the one. I think this is the mm-hmm. one. But this is him being a little early on the Tarantino thing. Yes, yes like, it is. This uh, movie comes out a year later, it would have been a big hit. Another one I'm not so sure about is Domino. Domino, yes, is the other one, which is just him betting on the wrong horse. Yeah, but just, Domino also fucking rules. Yeah, so who cares? I was like, Richard Kelly is the future, and then no, but <laughs> no, Richard Kelly is the future in another universe mm-hmm. because he he kind of he's one of those people that predicted where America was kind of headed. Yeah, in a way, you know, he got it. It's like him and Verhoeven, although Verhoeven probably has more like structure to his like mm-hmm. thesis. <laughs> yeah. Kelly's like a raw nerve. Like, yeah, Richard Kelly's like I don't, well, I, I don't care about structure. Here is how America dies, <laughs> and it's just like a violent death spasm. Anyway, true romance. True romance is not a violent death spasm. We got to shout out many people die. We got to shout out some more of the cast because it is like one of the most stacked casts in Hollywood history. Oh yeah yeah uh, yeah. Michael Rappaport. Yeah. <laughs> My boy Michael Rappaport. <laughs> As Dick Ritchie. As, yes. Ed might have some of the funniest moments in this movie. Yes. Um, his auditioning for TJ Hooker uh, <laughs> might be one of the funniest things ever committed to film. <laughs> Where it's like, I'm driving. <laughs> He's got the hand. <laughs> Don't you, just Mr. stand Ritchie. there. Get him. Shoot him. <laughs> uh, oh, what's that woman's name? Uh... uh I'm looking up the name right now. Uh, Conchata Farrell. Con- yeah. Uh, she was is probably terrific. most well known as uh, the actress from Two and a Half Men. I think most people know her from that. She's recently yeah. passed. Mm-hmm. Um, she is one of the a fantastic character actors. She's been on the show before in the uh, Mr. Deeds episode. 
Yeah. Um, she gets that scene with the emails that's very funny. Um, uh, she was also in Krampus. Krampus, which she's which terrific I love. In. Yeah. yeah. She pops up in a lot of stuff, and I've always she was she was great, and she is hysterical in that scene too. As just this um, casting agent. Yeah. I was just like, he's like, where the fuck did he come from? It's like, I don't know. He just appeared like magic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking casting director's talk. It's so I, like, it's like, great. and I get it. You're doing it all day. Mm-hmm. I'm not. There's no reason to get upset about that, but it is just very funny. It's like, as an actor, you have, probably have to be pouring your heart out and shit. You got to convince these people you're the one for the job. Mm-hmm. You're the person for the job. This, this is it. This is your make or break moment. He disappeared out of nowhere like magic. <laughs> so like it's depressing. So, it's great though. Oh um, no, it's terrific. Uh, Saul Rubinek, who plays Lee Joel Donowitz. Silver. Yeah, yeah, it's Joel Silver. You can forget about acting for the next thirty years. Your career is over. Take your SAG card and burn it. <laughs> he goes insane in that scene. He does. I love Saul Rubinek. Oh no, I did too. He's great. Yeah. He's got and he's got like multiple speeds in this movie of like when he's like being flattered by mm-hmm. Christian Slater. He's like, no, come on, let's just all relax. Like then when he's on the phone, that once he's like, I'll fucking have you killed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, another guy just pops up and is just great. Uh, when was the last? I, I try to think of the last thing I saw him. Oh yeah, he's in the Bell of Buster Scruggs. Buster the, Scruggs. He was in uh, the. Jordan Peele produced show Hunters with Al Pacino. Oh yeah, I saw that. Um, was it, it was, was right. it worth checking out? I heard right. mixed things. Yeah, it's it's mostly just kind of like it's a little like cutesy, but mm. um, it's it's fine for what it is. Okay, uh, he's in a couple episodes of Mrs. Maisel mm. and uh, Shit's Creek. Mm. He's Herb Klein and Nixon. Yeah, uh, he pops up. He's Henry Kissinger in Dick. So. <laughs> Um, I haven't seen Dick, so... Interesting, interesting movie. Okay, uh, worth checking out. I think so, yeah. Alright. Um, yeah, he's, he's great, but he's also... He's just fucking... Just goes wild. And that one, I guess his character appears in the novelizations that are connected to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, okay. So, that's like the Tarantino, like, shared universe thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think people get, like, annoyed at that stuff now, but Tarantino is just having fun with it, you know? Yeah. There was no, like, grand overarching plan to marry these universes. Yeah. And there's, like, like, deliberate contradictions that don't add up. Like, it's, yeah. like, stuff that doesn't make... Which is, you know, that's what shared universes used to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, like, I, I think we all kind of forget now that it was also just, like, fun. Yeah, it was just, like, like yeah, it, I'm just, just referencing my other thing, you know? Yeah, and I think, like, the... Like, one of the strengths of Tarantino as a writer, too, is just that very often, if you're on his wavelength, at least, with mo- which most people are... It's very entertaining to hear people talk. And yes. the, the setups and the punchlines are very engaging. And it's enticing to an audience to, like, connect stuff mm-hmm. when it's not important, you know? Yeah. It's just like, oh, like, the, the, it's the a, gravestone. The mistake people make is when they find, like, the then they try to be like, here's the great unified theory of all of it, you know? Yeah, like the fucking Pixar theory, which was yeah. fun on Tumblr for like a week, and now people still are like, no, 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 it's all connected, and it's like, no, it's not. Yeah, it's just it's just a cute little thing. Like, yeah, like it's it's okay to just like have fun. It's not it's not that important. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what the movie's about. That's not what movies are about. Yes, um, got Bronson Pinchot, who uh, 
most people probably don't know him these days, I'm guessing. No, I don't think so. Um, but was massive back in the day on the show called Perfect Strangers, <laughs> which is just ending as this movie's coming out, <laughs> which is kind of wild to think about. <laughs> uh, all over the 80s, Beverly Hills Cop, um, he's a wild actor, gives maybe the performance of his career in this movie as Elliot Blitzer. <laughs> Which sounds a lot like Elliot Spitzer. <laughs> oh, he also gets a remarkable scene in a car. Oh yeah. When they're uh, he's he's driving over to to bring the, the, coke. the cocaine sample. That that's pretty funny. That's good. That's some good yeah. stuff. Um, we get uh, then we get Chris Penn and Tom Sizemore. Oh yeah, the boys. <laughs> And, uh, well, maybe not Tom Sizemore anymore. Uh, <laughs> Forgot um, about that. Well, what's the one where he like comes in and Chris Penny's like, uh, "Me and Nicholson," and then Sizemore's like, "No, Nicholson and I." <laughs> like, yeah. <when> to, <laughs> he's like, "What the fuck? Who cares?" <laughs> they think they've uncovered like the big drug deal that's gonna crack the case. <laughs> uh, it does have one of those endings that I just, I just, I just fucking love as like a, like a peck and paw almost ending of just oh my god it so is it totally is. fucking is i think the getaway ends very similar if i remember correctly of just like the like the different groups kind of meeting and suddenly they're like all got guns pointed at each other yeah and, um and then it's just violence and everyone dies mm-hmm. um now peck and paw is not the only influence on the film really Yes, this may come as a shock to you, but uh, early on in the film, when Alabama and Clarence are watching TV and uh, Clarence goes to the bathroom to talk to Elvis, as he does. Elvis played by Val Kilmer. Elvis played by Val Kilmer, Who does a great job, by the way. Yes, Um, yes. Uh, Do you know what movie's playing on the TV screen? It's a Hong Kong action movie. It is John Woo's Better Tomorrow 2. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The only movie on the planet where everyone who watches it is like, it's not that bad. It's actually pretty awesome. And then everyone who worked in it was like, I never want to hear about it ever again. <laughs> Why um, is that? I don't know about anything about it. Was it just uh, like a nightmare? I, from my understanding, it just had like a lot of like production problems creatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking uh, uh, Chow Yun-Fat dies in the first movie. They bring him back by introducing a twin brother in the sequel. You know, like yeah, it's... Yeah. Um, but it also has one of the greatest shootouts in movie history, uh-huh. which you see part of in the in True Romance on the television screen. I think Tony Scott was the closest thing we had to like an American John Woo. And you can definitely see him trying to bring the John Woo in here a lot, yeah. like especially with that last shootout. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, fucking the last Boy Scout when Joe Hallenbeck's like running with the two pistols, like there's like doves and shit. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's very clear like he's going for that and. I uh, I think Sam Raimi kind of taps into something similar sometimes. Mm. It's different energy, but like similar like mm. uh, uh, visual like panache, I guess. Yes. And then right now, maybe I don't fully like think that this is like a one to one comparison. But I've talked to a friend who suggested Michael Bay has a similar energy, and I see that too. Although Wu, Scott, and Sam Raimi are much more controlled. Yes. Bay is just kind of like a shotgun blast. Yeah. 
Or like a minigun made out of shotguns. Yeah, Bay is a, I can watch the clips on YouTube instead of the movie and get the same basic vibe. You like Ambulance. Alright. Yeah. I'll check it out. I will eventually. Is it streaming yet? Uh, um, I think so. Yes. Yes, because that was also a bomb. Mm-hmm. Oh, alright. I guess we can do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which makes it like country. the one uh, Michael Bay film we can do, I think. No, we did uh, The Island last time. Oh, yes, we did The Island. I forgot. That's how forgettable the fucking island is. I like The Island. Did you? Yeah. Ah. It's just like, you know, not not great. No, it is not. Yeah. Um, we can do Pearl Harbor for failed awards. <laughs> we don't have to. Pretty much the one movie, like, everyone hates. Yeah, we, we don't we don't have to do that. We totally that could though. We totally could. But should we? We we were worried about whether or not we could. We never stopped to think about whether or not we should. Yes. Is Jurassic World Dominion a failed blockbuster? Oh, it's probably made like five hundred million already. What's it made? Yeah, it crossed five hundred million at the international box office. Hey, it made eight hundred seventy-seven million. Thanks, oh, Diego. Thanks oh, for letting shit. me know about that. Now, oh, thanks I didn't for, know that. Thanks for putting that in my head. I was having a good day talking about movies. Now I have to know that about Jurassic World Dominion. Well, look, the fact that it hasn't broken a billion already after being out for like a month—that's pretty telling for a Jurassic World movie. Yeah, everyone's happy with it. I don't know. It's not going to affect Colin Trevorrow at all. Oh, no. no him, no. But, like, I, I don't see them doing a Jurassic World movie for, like, Yeah, but they probably years. weren't going to anyway. I don't know. They're probably going to do, like, here's our streaming Jurassic Park shit. Eat it up, you fucking pigs. <laughs> oh, yeah, on Peacock? <laughs> yeah. That'll be the move. That'll be the move. That's just what's going to happen. Hmm. We'll see. I don't, uh... I don't care to see a streaming Jurassic World movie. Because it's just going to be Westworld. Mm -hmm. And I liked that first season, but I got everything from it. (laughs) How did people pay to see Jurassic World Dominion? I don't know. It's like, uh, again, I haven't seen either movie, so maybe I end up liking them. But it's similar to like what's happening with the new Thor, Mm -hmm. where normal people like in the real world are telling me like, oh yeah, I'm going to go watch this. You want to come? And I'm like, no, thank you. Uh, I think it looks not good. And then they come out and talk to me afterwards, and they're like, yeah, it was really bad. So, I, I don't know, maybe the tide's turning slowly. 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 What people really need is to watch True Romance. Hmm. Maybe that's why I just double down on these movies. Like, like I probably should leave a movie like True Romance in the past, <laughs> but it's like, there's nothing even close to it on the big screen these days. Yeah. And, you know. Like, because even, like, just, like, scenes in, like, a motel, mm-hmm. Tony Scott's like, yeah, let's put, like, a Dutch angle right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just like, and then he'll put the, fill the rooms with, like, smoke so the light comes oh. in, like, sharper and shit. Hey, do we want to talk about uh, how the ending is a little different in the theatrical cut? Uh, well... Well, Christian Slater die, or, uh, survives in both. So Christian Slater survives in both, but he gets shot in the eye by Chris Penn's character. 
Yes, and in the theatrical cut, Patricia Arquette kills him, right? Yes, in the director's yeah. cut. The director's Arquette. cut. Yeah. Okay. And in the theatrical cut, it's one of the uh, uh, Sicilians that they mm-hmm. just used some other footage of him and <laughs> just made it look like he shot him. Yeah, I like her killing the cop instead. Yeah, it's weird. That's a, that feels like a real studio note. Mm-hmm. Of like, if she kills someone, she won't be likable anymore. Which is yeah, really and, funny when you think about Tony Soprano being in this movie. <laughs> and just the fact that this entire movie happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's a pure American fantasy. I think that's what I was trying to get at earlier. Yes, I would and agree. the ultimate American fantasy is to leave America. It kind of is. I mean, I would say that's the ultimate boomer fantasy. There you go, yeah. It's, it's a very time and place. And so, like, the fact that, like, I know a lot of people that tried to watch this recently for the first time, and you were joking about it before we recorded, that, like, they, they don't really like it. But they'll mm-hmm. like other Tony Scott stuff. Mm-hmm. And I kind of get it with this one. Sure. We don't really need a movie like this, I guess. Sure. Yeah. I like it. It's good. I love it. I've said before, it's my favorite Tony Scott movie. I don't know if I feel the same, Mm. but I kind of feel it when I'm watching it, you know? Yeah, it's it's, uh, Last Boy Scout to me still. Yeah. But. Let me take a look again, because it's it's tough. It's Last Boy Scout, Domino, Man on Fire, Deja Vu. Got some good movies. Crimson Tide. Yeah, it's fucking tough. It's it's real tough. Uh, I want to hear... I want to meet someone who says their favorite Tony Scott movie is Revenge. A movie I do like. I've just never heard anyone say that. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty fucking wild Does movie. anyone actually like Top Gun? People like Top Gun. I haven't met him. I think some people are like kind of irony poisoned. And then other people are just so taken with the craft, which I am too. It is a wonderfully directed movie about nothing, basically. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I can watch Top Gun and not, like, be angry. Like, I don't think it's, like, awful. I don't hate it. It's just, like, I'm not watching it for the movie experience. I'm watching it for the Tony Scott experience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it is a gorgeous-looking movie, and it's, there's a reason why, like, it was such a hit. So, like, when I heard the new Top Gun was coming out and it was actually good, I was like, okay, is it, like, a good movie? Or is Joseph Kaczynski just kind of, like, wilding out with a big budget and practical effects? Because I'm fine with the latter, too. I haven't seen it yet at this point. Um, it's not good. Okay. You're the one person I've heard say that, though. Um, everyone's wrong. That movie's a bad movie. Okay. It was boring, but the action was very good. Okay. Well, there you go. That's all I'm there for. Now, when they go to the beach... To play sports. Are they playing with the boys? Or is there they, a different song? They don't play that. Um, and also there's a there's a woman now, so it's not it's not gay. Oh Oh, <laughs> oh just this a singular woman? Yes. So that makes really? It, that makes it not gay. Oh, okay, yeah. Just, yeah, um There's one woman that's on the Top Gun group or whatever. Okay. Oh, uh, but it's from Woke Hollywood. Yeah. I'm surprised no one's, like, freaked out about that. But maybe it's because she has such little personality that no one could really object. Oh. Um, 
Yeah, but Jennifer Connelly's in it, so I got to watch it. Also, everyone has to bow down to Maverick in it, basically. It's like you're not as good as Maverick, non Mavericks. <laughs> I haven't. Again, I haven't seen it. But my favorite take is that no, no, no. It's not U.S. propaganda. It's Tom Cruise propaganda. I mean, kinda, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Sure. He takes his shirt off, and we're supposed to believe that's him at his age. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's inc- that's amazing. I didn't know that. Uh, oh my god! And then there's that fucking great Seinfeld one in real life, mm-hmm. where it's like it's uh, George's dad, and he's like, "George, your mother and I went to go watch uh, like uh, the new Elvis movie. We walked to the wrong theater. We saw Top Gun. Long story short." Your mother and I are joining the Church of Scientology. <laughs> modern day Seinfeld jokes shouldn't work as much as they do, but they do. I know. When people I know. get it right, they get it right. <laughs> like the towers. Anyway, um Whoa. <laughs> true romance. True romance. I Great movie. Yeah, I don't know how much else we have to say about it. I mean Yeah. You should all watch it if you hate it. Look, uh, too bad. Sorry. I hope I convinced you to watch it because I think most people will actually like it. Mm. Um, the the Wikipedia has a uh, says that the critics praise the dialogue, characters, and offbeat style, earning it a cult following. Yeah, it did. It did do well among critics, which is kind of wild. But uh, maybe all maybe all critics are just fucked up. <laughs> Maybe critics go through like different eras of problems, though, uh-huh. and like not just movie critics. Cause movies are only like, uh, oh yeah, 120 well, watch, years old. Watch They're a young Siskel art form. and Ebert, and like you can see like what they get held up on, like in different eras, you know. Yeah. Like there, there there's there are times when they're like really focused on certain. There, there's uh, there seems to be like a year where all they do is complain about they're like the reason this movie's not working is because the script wasn't finished. Mm-hmm. Like and that seems to be their big beef. And yeah. the next time it's and, like they're too focused on these scripts and not anything on the screen. Like, yeah. and so. it's like it's funny because it's like individually those problems do exist, have mm-hmm. existed, and continue to exist, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think of someone like Guillermo del Toro, who is like not just a great like filmmaker, but a a great like cultural purveyor, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he noted as far back as I, I listened to his interviews for like inspiration. He's such a brilliant like artist, right? Uh, he was talking during the the Crimson Peak run of interviews, like that. Right now, people seem to be very focused on like structure and story and script. And it's not that those things are not important, but hey, there's other stuff happening on the screen that you're watching. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Pay attention to that too, you know. Like it's yeah. If uh, I believe the Action for Everyone crew, uh, specifically my boy Liam O'Donnell, coined the phrase "script watchers." Mm-hmm. I think that is a very accurate insult. <laughs> At least uh, uh, for for Del Toro dismissing must love some critics. This movie. Oh, he's a huge Tony Scott fan. Isn't but this he? feels like the one he would really love. Cause he loves that like modern day fairy tale bullshit. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would kill to talk about Tony Scott with Tarantino. Uh, with a uh, no, not with Tarantino. Toro. <laughs> no, not Tarantino. No, no. I remember one of the, the the few clips I've seen of Tarantino talking about true romance. Um, 
was right after Tony Scott passed, mm-hmm. and he was saying like the brilliance Tony Scott was like envisioning this in a way no one else could, and making it like stylistically invigorated. Blah blah blah. Well, blah, blah. A, but T- Tarantino he, loves Tony Scott. Like yeah 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 yeah. But then he, he mentions specifically the scene with Drexel, where he's like, oh, yeah, in the script, it was like, oh, yeah, it's a dimly lit room with some neon signs and the, um, a lamp in the middle of the table. And it was Tony Scott that came up with, like, Tony Scott and the production designers, obviously, hmm. who came up with, like, the low-hanging lampshade hanging over the <laughs> table. And it's just like, what purpose does that serve in reality? And it's uh-huh. like, it doesn't matter. Because it looks so fucking awesome. <laughs> also, because it just adds, like... It adds something to the scene that's essential for, like, the mood and atmosphere. It's not, like... Like, don't worry about if whether or not someone actually has that in their home. Mm-hmm. Now, if you do actually have something like that in your home, I'm going to think you're either super fucking cool or super fucking weird, and I'm going to get out of there immediately. So. Yeah, uh, is this a five-star movie, Matt? For me, it is, yeah. Yeah. I, get, I do get why it's not for other people, though. Yeah. Um. I won't call you a coward, but... No, we are the cowards in, are in we? this instant. Yes, but... Because you, you defended the Sicilian scene. If, if you stand by Tarantino, you're kind of a coward. <laughs> and we, 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 we are. So ah, That's what it is. Matt, thank you for joining me. Uh, I have to do the quick little... Yes. Uh, the spin, spin, spin the, wheel the wheel on what movie is coming out next. Now... This is a very particular instance because I have to add this in after the fact of recording because (laughs) we're recording this episode out of order with everything else. No, you can spin it right now. You sure? Yeah. uh... Oh, look, I'll I'll just release this one after Monkey Bone. How about that? Yeah, I thought that was what was going to happen. It probably was, and I just forgot, but let's Mm -hmm. see. Okay. Yeah, we were supposed to do Monkey Bone today, and then uh, some developments happened, so we're delaying Monkey Bone. You're welcome, Dan Doherty. Yeah. All right. Spinning. Oh! Number four, Jupiter Ascending. All right. That is a good one. All right. All right. This one I know people have mixed feelings on. Yes. But also least, many of those people are cowards. And other least, people are, are, are correct, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? At least I have an excuse to watch my new Blu-ray copy of the film. <laughs> there you go. With Eddie Redmayne's best performance? Absolutely. <laughs> whoa, whoa, what was that? Uh, I was trying to think if there was anything else I wanted to say about Eddie Redmayne, but there kind of isn't. Nope. Um, nope, you know I'm right. That's why. What about those crimes of Grindelwald? The real crimes... Or the secrets of Dumbledore. Well, here, the real crime. Or the Danish girl. <laughs> now that's the real crime. Yeah. Also the crimes Johnny Depp. Uh, Matt, thank you for joining me. Where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. And you can find me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. Where you, you know what? You might actually get access to the next episodes because we're doing these ahead of time. So you're welcome. Again, Dan Doherty. Yeah. <laughs> actually, a couple people listened to to the, the early patron episodes. So thank you. Also, thank you to the new patrons. Uh, you'll have been here for a while since I'm thanking you uh, ahead of time on these you're, things. But... Your one month uh, subscription will be expiring by now and you'll be leaving because you realize it was a waste of money. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. But you know what? Thanks for sticking around anyways. And thank you for sticking around. Thanks for watching, listening, 
like and subscribe. If you didn't like this episode, like and subscribe anyways, because you might find something you do like. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. My name is Vincent Cocotti. I work as counsel for Mr. Blue Lou Boyle, the man your son stole from. Clarence and her girlfriend of his snatched my narcotics. I tailed it out of there. You got a hell of a lot of cocaine here, man. You don't know him? No, you don't know me. Not when it comes to shit like this. Oh, you got it. All worked out, don't you? Where's our coke? Where's Clarence? I'm gonna show you what I mean with a little demonstration. Man, I like this Clarence kid. This fucking guy's crazy. I think what you did. Please stop. Romantic. I just I want you to know that you can count on me to protect you.